This is the I Do Crew podcast with Jen and Emma, coming to you weekly with your wedding worries or dilemmas, which we will help solve. From time to time, we'll also be joined by special guests from the wedding industry or couples in the middle of planning their own wedding. If you have a wedding worry or dilemma you would like our help solving, please get in touch by using our I Do Crew podcast Instagram account. You're listening to the I Do Crew podcast with Jen and Emma. Uh, This week we are talking all about seating plans and family politics. So I popped this question onto the Insta story asking for dilemmas or questions on seating plans and guest lists and all that jazz. We got lots of responses, Em. So there's lots to catch up on this week. That doesn't surprise me because I think family politics is a big big worry for people and if you do have a lot of family politics it does almost take over the whole planning and a lot of that is about should I put that person who doesn't talk to that person and can't have that person sitting close to that person I think it causes a lot of stress and I think sometimes the wedding becomes about the other people and not about the bride and groom yeah I'm all for saying that you need to make sure that your wedding is good for your guests and there's things for them to do and they feel comfortable. But when that swings the other way and you're starting to make decisions based on Auntie Pat and Auntie Maud, I think that's when it gets wrong. Yeah, and I think I joined... When, it, when I was getting married, I joined quite a lot of DIY Facebook groups and the dilemmas and questions that people were putting on there saying, oh, I don't know what to do. What have other brides done in this scenario? Most of it was family drama or guest drama. Yeah. It'd be great if we could just have a wedding and not invite anybody, wouldn't it? Just me and my future husband. <laughs> so... Should we get to it? There's there's a lot of questions. So we're gonna keep the questions anonymous on this because some of the some of the people that gone in touch said that they didn't want us to share their names. So we're just gonna keep all of the questions and dilemmas that came in anonymous for this uh, episode. So the first one that came in and I think is quite a good place to start is uh it was a question. Do you have to have a seating plan? I would say no. You don't have to have one. You don't have to do anything. Um, And if you're having like a barbecue style dinner or a buffet style dinner, um, I don't think you really need one because people would grab a plate and go and sit where they want to sit. I do think there are a lot of advantages of having a seating plan though. And one of them is when you have a group of people, I think they... In, they like it better when to be told where to go and what to do because you don't get you know the awkward thing of somebody milling around trying to find where they should be sitting and not feeling sure so if you've got a designated seat you know to, to go to table two and find your name so I think it takes a little worry from the guests because they're just doing what they're told and in a group of people that makes things go quicker because it you know, from from activity to activity and with a big group of people, there needs to be that bit of organisation to get people sat down. So having a seating plan makes that quicker. 
I also think from a control freak bride perspective, not having a seating plan and letting people sit wherever they want fills me with dread. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 like I said, if you're just having a big barbecue and you're all sat outside and there's mm. hay bales and picnic blankets, you know, that type of vibe, I think it's fine. But if you are having a sit down minute, uh, sit down dinner that's been catered for and you're going to be giving a plate of food, you do need a, a seating plan, even if it's just you're sat on this table and you don't actually assign a seat, but at least they know they're going to. I don't know. I've got my Disney jumper on today. They go to the Snow White table or just to give a bit of direction for that group of people. And also you can do clever things like make sure that the people doing the speeches are close by to save time for them getting from one end to the other or the older people are closer to the loos. You know, that type of thing. You can make it a bit more comfortable for people, but and often venue, venues and caterers, I think, will want one because they'll want to know who's vegetarian and where they're given that nut-free option to. I also based my seating plan on and also my table setup. So we had an option to have either trestle tables or round tables at our wedding. And the feedback that I received from anonymous listener A was that when they went to a wedding with trestle tables, and they are in the older generation category, they said it was a real pain to get out of the trestle table to go to the toilet because you have to walk down this massive long aisle of all these people. Oh, could you just pull your chair right up? Excuse me. Oh, you've dropped your coat on the floor. Whereas round tables, just get up from your seat and go for a wee. It's fine. Yeah. And also the trestle tables now tend to have benches, don't they? You've got like hoik your legs over. They look great. But if you are, if you are a bit older or... Um, you know a disabled that's just a nightmare so I think you need to think about your seating arrangements with the type of guests that you've got and if you're sat with let's say three other people on a bench and you want to move the bench closer but you I, it just it's not for me I don't think but then we're not we're not you know the young whippersnappers anymore are we Jen I mean if you've got what's quite cute is having like a different like you can make it look really cute with like a different so there's a few round tables there's a few trestle tables and sort of mix it up and then you just put all the young whippersnappers on the table the trestle table with the bench right at the end still get make it look really cool but they've it's, got the side of that and nana not to worry too much just one thing for the podcast record is i'm still younger than you am so. way younger than me yeah way younger for the record thank you Okay, so I think we're saying, do you have to have a seating plan? You don't have to. Depends on what kind of wedding and vibes you're going for. If you're having trestle tables, seating plan is probably for the best so that the older people can get to the toilet easier. Um, one of the questions that came in was, what is the best way to do a seating plan? I made a paper plan and moved names around. Is there a better way? The first thing that comes to my mind is Monica's pin flags. And Rachel moving herself to the bar, which I can sympathise with. So yep. What's the best way, Em? What did you do for your wedding? I did, I had a big A3 sheet of paper. I drew some round circles on it. And then I had, you know, them like really thin post-its. The little page marker post-its. And I just wrote everybody's name on it. 
um, and stuck them on and then you can move them around. And then I think I had like a colour for Jordan's family, a colour for my family and a colour for friends so that I could easily see where everybody was and make sure that the family were closer to the top table. Um, but I, yeah, I just did it the old fashioned way with post-its and, and um, paper. How did you do it? That's a good idea for the colour coding because I don't think I would have thought about it that way. So I delegated my table plan because I found it very stressful. Um, so my mum offered to do it and she did a similar thing. So she got a couple of big pieces of paper. She drew the tables in the order that they were going to be placed in the venue. She, I'd gave, I'd given her a few sort of pointers and saying these people need to sit together or we'd like these people to sit together. So I had grouped people and then she'd had a go and then we went through it together, moved a couple of people around because there are a few people that, because Ian and I didn't have a top table, we just had a round table closest to the bar-ish in the middle of everybody else's tables. So it was choosing who was going to be on our tables, where our family was going to go, all of all of that kind of thing. Um, I think if you've got the time to do a Monica seating plan with the flags, I think that's really cute. Um, and I think, as you said, just keep it as draft. Yeah. Because you don't know, once you've got all of your RSVPs in, you're pretty sure that most of those people are going to come. But equally, I had cancellations the week of the wedding and as I was I remember as I was putting out the name places the name cards somebody else cancelled obviously I was livid at the time yeah there are um obviously I got married seven years ago so everything's changed quite a lot but there are apps and stuff now that you can you can download and you as you are as you people are SVP you can put them in and then you can note if they've got any dietary requirements and then there's some that you can even like choose what shape table. So if you've got five round tables and a top table or they're all trestle tables or they're square tables, you note them all in and it populates the room for you. And then you can almost you can flag them if they're a couple or and it, it will go for, it will do it for you. And then you can just move the people around um, and then it just prints off. You can download it and print it off and give it to your caterer and you can. Good. what i mean I, I haven't actually used one but i have looked at them and i have like read all the feedback that's on the app the apple app apple app store that, and they seem to be working brilliant that is amazing yeah i'm speechless at the technical trickery <laughs> but wow. i think i would still be that that girl that gets the paper and her pens and her highlighters out because for me I didn't have too much to consider really but it, it was quite an easy job because there was no there wasn't really much family politics family politics sorry so I, I it was quite a nice evening and so I didn't but I, it's kind of thing where you might get a bridesmaid over or your mum over or just sit with your your husband to be with a bottle of wine and sort of to me it was a nice thing to do mm. able with your post-its um but yeah there's loads of technic tech technical amazing things now 
I don't think I could delegate the uh, app to my mum. <laughs> I think we'd probably still have to stick with paper and yeah. drawing to scale. Thing for your like mum to do, she sat there and she really thought about it, and then you got the first draft, and so it was easier for you then just to swap a few people over. Yeah. But yeah. So either get an app or get your mum to do it. That's what we're saying, is it? <laughs> that's that's the best way. Okay. Uh, we also had a question which is more to do with family politics. Um, so what do you do if your parents or in-laws don't get on? What do you do with the top table? Wow. This annoys me. Because they, everybody should just suck it up, really. But I think there's two things that you can do if I'm, you know, family politics does exist and it's hard to get away from sometimes. So I think there's two things you can do. One, you can just tell people to behave themselves and get on with it. Or you could do get away from all of that and just do a sweetheart table, which is a table that is just the two of you. And then nobody feels put out. Everybody's sat with who they want to sit with. You haven't you haven't got your stepmom feeling left out because she's not on the top table. You know, I think a sweetheart table just cuts all of that out. Have you been to a wedding where you've noticed the family politics? Not at the wedding. I've been part of weddings where it's a big thing. And I can see the stress that it causes because, you know, the, the couple don't want to um, make anybody feel uncomfortable or sad or left out. or um, and So it adds a lot of stress. So they're doing everything that they can to put the barriers in place so nothing happens or nobody kicks off or nobody feels sad or left out. And I think it's a lot to juggle. If you've got siblings who don't get on or parents that don't get on, and I think also even close relatives that have passed away, that all of those things become huge when you're doing your seating plan. Because you want to, let's say you've got, uh, I don't know, one of your parents has passed away or grandparents and you're very close to them. There's ways that you can remember them, but whilst you're doing your seating plan you're clearly not putting a seat for them and I think even that is quite a traumatic emotional experience to go through yeah yeah I can, yeah I can imagine because you want them you know you follow in the rules of the top table that you've googled and evidently there would be an empty seat and so it's it's yeah imagine that's really hard i remember at my wedding my dad just mentioned um his dad which is our grandpa um cyril and i just looked at my sisters and my sister-in-law they all burst into tears just at mentioning his name and we hadn't we didn't have a memory table or photographs or anything like that so you did have cyril's drawers though yes cyril's drawers which he that doesn't know cyril's drawers are something that our um our styling company has um in our huge warehouse of things and they are an old 70s 
set of mahogany desk drawers. Um, and so a lot of people, we style a lot of them on card tables and you can half open them and people can put their cards in. Um, so he, he's everywhere, isn't he? He's everywhere. We don't tend to do a wedding without him. No, there hasn't been many weddings that we've done without Cyril's drawers, are there? Bless him. Just popping my phone on Do Not Disturb. Now I can't get back to him. Nicole Prowess of our podcast. And I'm back. Ebony podcast experts. Next question. Yes. We can only have 80 guests and our list is currently over 100. Help! Exclamation mark. This is tricky. I'm assuming that this is before people have been invited. Because I would probably err on the side of caution of it actually inviting more people than your venue takes with the hope that some people are going to decline because not many people do, especially if it's a wedding that's fairly local and um, not many people do. So I wouldn't edge your bets and say, oh, we'll invite 100, hoping that 20 people won't come because it's likely not to work out like that for you. So I would go... I, I think that's a great idea. I'm the opposite because people were cancelling for my wedding extravaganza the week of the wedding. And not that it mattered to the people that I invited at short notice, but if I had just oversubscribed to the wedding, let's call it, oversubscribed by 15 people, thinking that 15 people roughly would drop out then I would have invited everybody knowing that they weren't three to four weeks prior to the wedding invitation. Cause you know, if you're getting that invitation that you're on the, you know, C list because you haven't received a wedding invitation six to nine months prior or an evening guest invitation. So, you know, you're on C list. I mean, never turned down a wedding invitation cause I love a good wedding, but equally, I should have oversubscribed and hope for the best. Yeah, that makes me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> I am I am the opposite. Invite the amount of people. And then I because I would rank rank them. So like number one's are people that have to be there. So you're really close family. Number two are people that you really want to be there, which are really close friends. And then number three people are, you know, wider friendship groups, people that you feel obliged to invite. And then you go through ones and twos and invite them and then some of threes. And if you do it far enough in advance, when them declines come in, you can then send out invitations to the threes without them feeling like a four week invitation. But you do have to send your invites out. A year in advance for that to work that's the way i would do it yeah that sounds better than my oversubscribing i mean it, it might it could it could work but you just don't know risky 
and then you on the phone two weeks before you know that invitation that I sent you really sorry can't come (laughs) we thought you'd decline sorry (laughs) I also when I when I was going through the process of pulling together the guest list in my mind because I knew that I was paying for everything would I take this person out for dinner and would I pay if the answer was no they're not on the guest list that's a really good thing because again a friend's reference I think it's because I've been starting it again from season one but Monica and Chandler's wedding he says the night before that he's paying for dinner for 150 people tomorrow and I think yes you are yeah would you buy them dinner in your normal life away from your wedding if the answer's no do not put them on that list no and I think there's that thing, isn't there, where people feel so your mum's come to you and say, oh, don't forget to invite Auntie Maud's neighbour because you were always playing in her garden when you were four type conversations. And I think in that situation, unless you really want Auntie Maud's neighbour to be there, then you just need to have that conversation with whoever's pressuring you to invite them. Just say, "I really, we really can't. We haven't got enough seats. But how about we do something else together and I go around Auntie Maud and invite her over when we're writing the addresses on the envelopes. So she feels a bit involved. She can come to the evening. But I just think, I do think you need to tread carefully and I do think you need to do it sensitively. But it is your wedding and you don't need to invite who you don't want to be there. No, I didn't have any Auntie Mauds at my wedding. And any suggestions were uh, graciously refused from anyone else. Oh, can so-and-so come? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, next question. We've touched on it a little bit. Um, But I love the idea of a sweetheart table. But do you think we would be lonely during dinner? My answer would be no. Enjoy the peace and quiet. Uh, em, what do you think? I think I personally love them. Um, it's re- it's like a bit of private time for you to have your first dinner together as a as a a couple. And actually, if you have a traditional top table with six people, eight people on it, you can't really talk to them anyway because you're in a big long line. So you can only really talk to the people that are either side of you, and one of them is your groom or your bride. So it, it doesn't actually make that much difference. And it's I think it they're really cute to style. They're really good if you've got an odd-shaped room or it's a slightly weird, there's a weird little balcony or, a, you know, little alcove or something. They're really easy. They're easier to style because you don't need as much room. It often means you can get an extra round table in so you can have more guests. Um and you could do a cute little backdrop. Um, I, I think I think they're great. Stops the family politics. If you've got if you've got step parents, or multiple multiple maid of honours, or multiple groomsmen, or whatever you've got going on, you can just put them all on tables, sit them with their partners, so their partners aren't feeling lonely. Because often if you've got a bridesmaid and they've got a husband or a boyfriend and they're sat on a table and they don't really know anyone, they're the ones that are feeling lonely. So it stops all of that. I think they're the way to go. 
I think I've also noticed when we've been styling weddings this year through our wedding styling and prop hire company, like in a nights, uh, follow us on Instagram. Um, I've noticed that people are doing sweetheart tables more this year than they were last year. And I don't know why, but for me, I always thought, oh, small wedding, the couple will probably sit together. You'll have fewer tables. Um, but sweetheart table at a small wedding would be quite nice. But I don't think, I think you're right. I don't think it matters what size your wedding is, how many guests you've got. I actually think it's quite a nice way to catch up with your husband because you don't really spend that much time together on the day unless you're having your pictures taken or unless you're doing your vows. The rest of the time is you being pulled in so many different directions, either questions from the venue, questions from your suppliers, questions from your guests and just people that haven't maybe not seen you for a while. So I think having that, <laughs> the first word that comes to mind is respite. Yeah. Um, from your wedding on that table so you can actually eat your food yes 100 percent. and actually it's quite um it's quite common in sort of indian weddings and things like that and they they actually put them on a little stage with a little canopy and they're they're separated and they're sort of i don't want to say this to scare people they're a bit of a spectacle so people are eating their dinner and they can glance over and, and, and they're the special people of the day rather than having a massive long line of t table. I would de I would 100% do it. I didn't. I had a top table, but I would 100% do a sweetheart table. Did you have a long top table or did you have a round top table? It was long. Yeah. Were you chatting to Jordan or, or were you just... No, I wasn't even sat there. Oh, that's right. <laughs> my uh, my dinner consisted of me lying outside with my head in my photographer's lap, just having a bit of a break. Um, my dress was a little bit tight, so we did this. We and then I came back for speeches. <laughs> was Jordan just sat there with an empty chair next to him? Oh, yep. Yeah, I was like, you stay here. I'm just going to get some air. <laughs> How long were you gone exactly? Because were people not like, oh, uh, is that okay? Or where is she? In my head, it was a good hour. But in reality, I think it was like 20 minutes. I just remember, I remember the main course being served. Me going to have a little bite of the roast potato and thinking oh hang on a minute I just need to go and get some air and then coming back and everybody was starting to fit like finishing them yeah. I wasn't gone hours but in my head I was like missed the whole of dinner when really I just, I just missed the main meal <laughs> stupid that's key um Okay, next question. A couple of members of family refuse to sit on the same table. What should I do? It's just annoying. I didn't really experience it. Experience. What's the word? Experience. experience. I, I don't really know. Because I would, I would just be like, just get on with it. Sit there. I know that doesn't work. What? What? what what's your advice, Jen? I don't think anybody said to me 
oh, I'm not sitting with so-and-so. I just knew that I just knew not to sit people together because I wanted them to have a good time. I didn't want them to, oh God, I'm sat next to Martin Bar again. Yeah. I just didn't want that. And I didn't want to be worrying about it either. I didn't want to be worrying, oh my God, so-and-so sat next to so-and-so. They're going to be fuming about it when they see the, the table plan. Then they, what if everyone starts moving their place here? I just didn't want to be worrying about any of that. So I made sure that people were sat with people that they knew. Yeah. Or if they weren't, they were sat with people of a similar age or similar background. I remember that um, a couple of my, some one of my friends that I went to uni with and then somebody that I used to work with like 10 years ago and somebody that I know through uh, our day jobs, I put them on a table together with, again, somebody I used to work with because they they I all knew them roughly at the similar time or they had similar backgrounds, so military backgrounds. So I knew that there's something to chat cool. about. Mm -hmm. So I did that. Then I put all of the um, sort of party animal older people together. Well, not older people, but I'm not even going to mention their names in case they complain. Well, uh, I... No. no. You, were on the you were on the rowdy drinkers table. Um I with my young friends and then I had my older friendship group on a different table then Ian's friends that I'd never met before on another table and then family tables nobody said that they were unhappy I think I think most people do just get on with it and actually the thought process of this cousin and this cousin not getting on is normally worse than actually what plays out on the day and people do just get on with it. I would say if you've got enough tables, splitting the people up, not often a huge issue. If you've got lots of things going on, then you potentially, rather than having lots of round tables where you have to like think about where, where they're sat on that round table to make sure they're not back to back with so-and-so, maybe just have, three big banqueting tables and then it's easier to place people that aren't close to each other because they just go down the line so there are things you can do but I would say it's mostly worse in your head and I I also think if these people are bringing that to you whilst you're trying to plan your wedding should they even be coming would they buy you dinner because if the answer is no take them off the list as well yeah so we've got two takeouts really haven't we if you wouldn't buy them dinner don't put them on and if they wouldn't buy you dinner don't put them on no goodbye <laughs> forever uh okay next question what's the rule about inviting children um i would say it's a totally personal choice and you definitely have the option to state no children on your invite um you just need to bear in mind that if you do that you might get some people that aren't able to come because of their circumstances and I think if you're happy with that then go for it I would say that you then need to be careful about how many children are actually at the wedding so if you're saying no children but you've got a really close little sister or a niece or your own children 
you just need to be careful about how many children are actually there because it is a little bit of a kick in the teeth if you've been said that you can't bring your baby and you've found somebody to look after them and you've you've worked hard to get yourselves there without your baby and then there's 10 kids running around it's a little bit oh would one of mine actually have made much of a difference um but it's just something to be aware of it's not the the end of it and then I always said if you do invite children you need to entertain them and I don't mean just like a coloring book at dinner if you've got 20 children you need to think of activities that they can do you can get really cute things now there's like companies that will come and set up like a little crash area which is like a soft play or big white bouncy castle you need to you need to get their energy out so that they're more well they're better behaved and also watch the amount of sugar you're giving them it's a really cool thing to give them a big bag of sweets or have all like their own little cupcake but you're just fueling them children with sugar which then makes them hyper which then makes them harder to look after for their parents so their parents have less of a nice time also if you don't have kids I mean, I didn't do sweets on the table. We 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 didn't invite kids to our wedding. We only had, um, I think there ended up being three in the end, but two of them were my nephews, which we see every weekend. So very very close family children came to our wedding, but and but I, and I put like tractor and digger activity books on their table. But you do see a lot of the time sugar like jars of sweets and sugar and as as their sort of activities and until you just said that I know I didn't do it at my wedding but I would never have thought no. that they're going to get hyped up on sugar start acting like lunatics while the father of the bride is doing his speech and everyone's emotional and the kids are crazy in the background yeah and actually if you're not a parent, you would think giving them a jar of sweets and a cupcake and 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 not thinking about having a bouncy castle for them to run that off, you wouldn't think about it. But as a as a parent of a three-year-old, my worst nightmare would be going to a, a wedding with him where there's nothing for him to do. And I've got to, especially if it's in like a nice hotel where I've got to actually watch that he's not just running around on a field, you know, got to keep him keep him contained in a seat and you've just given him you know all the sugar in the world and you've just given it to him 20 minutes before you're about to do your speeches so uh, it's just like thinking about things like that get about or don't give them sweets yeah I would never have thought about it I, and I've never thought about it as a guest at any wedding. If I've been sat on a table with kids or seen that the kids have got sweets, I never have I ever thought, well, we're in for a noisy 25 minutes between now and the speeches. Because yeah. it, it goes quiet and they're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. And they're excited because they're getting a lot of attention as well. So they're already amped up and you're asking them to sit in seat quietly for what could be an hour and a half dinner it's a lot it's a lot and it's a lot for the parents to manage too also quite stressful i can imagine yeah i've not been to a wedding only I've, well actually we have but it was jordan's brother's wedding um and they 
there was lots of kids so they all sort of just entertain themselves and Justin is really good at thinking about things for them to do so it was lots of there wasn't a bouncy castle or anything but there was lots of little things that they could go and get into mischief a little bit with, by being safe um so that wasn't too bad but yeah don't give them sugar get a bouncy castle or a soft play or riding a donkey or or something you know something I also think it's mad that when people when a when a couple who aren't really kid friendly invite kids to their wedding and then they complain about the children you know the 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 mild The ceremony is the hardest part. That's what I mean. The, the noisy tutting from the people who aren't kid-friendly with the children that are screaming, laughing, shouting. They're just in a big but bu bucket of confetti and you're trying to keep them away from them. <laughs> and then the couple are annoyed at the fact that these children are making noises during the ceremony. Uh, you invited them, hon. They're here because you invited them. Just saying. And the poor, the poor, per, you know, that's got the newborn baby that starts crying because it's gone all quiet and they don't like that change of atmosphere. And she's panicking, you know, trying to go out, trying to not be rude by not being... <laughs> just. I don't think I'd go. If I had a newborn baby or a child underneath the age of five, it would be a flat out. Oh, I can't come, sorry. I'm finding it's a as a parent though, not feeling obliged to bring your children is quite nice if you can find childcare because you can really then just enjoy the day and if it's you with your your partner, it's a it's a nice day for you to be together too because you know you can remember your own wedding and you don't have to be running around in the hills trying to get their head out the flower bed and so I would probably even if Arthur was invited to a wedding I'd probably just say he's not coming but then I have the option to find childcare and not everybody does mm -hmm. is that answer awesome. do you reckon don't really know what the answer is <laughs> it's all it's, it's a personal choice and I think I think if you don't mind the kids being there and you, if you don't mind being around kids and you know that kids are going to be kids, if you're absolutely fine with all of those things, why not? But if you want your wedding to be this perfect version that you see on movies where all the children are silent and, you know, they are just beautiful flower girls or page boys or they're just sat quietly in the church, that's not going to happen. No. So... Yeah. The flower girl is going to walk down the aisle looking pretty with her little ringlets and her flowers in her hair and her little basket. And 10 minutes later, she's going to have grass stains and her flower crown is going to be on mum's head. You know, it's not going to stay pristine. At my sister's wedding, she had three flower girls. She wanted a big church wedding, so flower girls were a must. And because I was the maid of honour, I was walking directly behind them. And probably one minute before the vicar started, the teeniest flower girl spilt all the flowers on the floor. Exactly. 
so we're there scraping it up. I got the bigger flower girls to help me scrape it, scoop it back into the little basket. I just thought, why is this my life? But it all worked out in the end. Yeah. And before they stepped off that little step down the aisle, I was like, smile, smile. You just they didn't, but you can't predict children. You can no normally predict adult behaviour until they've had a few drinks and then normally people don't mind too much, but you can't predict children's behaviour. So if you want it to go completely smoothly without chocolate stains and spilt flowers, then don't invite children. If you're quite happy with a bit of chaos, the more the merrier, because they do bring a lightness to the day and they do... If, it's, if there's an awkward moment between a group of people who don't really know each other and there's a child digging a hole in the lawn, you, you've got something to put your attention onto and say, oh, look at that. Um, so they do bring entertainment and a lightness to the day. And some of my favourite pictures and clips from our wedding video is of my oldest nephew during our first dance and he'd basically taken a few props from the photo booth so he was wearing a captain's hat like a, like a boat captain's hat with this giant inflatable microphone and just sort of singing his way through the dance floor during mine and Ian's first dance and it is honestly some of the cutest content that was captured yeah that wouldn't have been there if he wasn't there exactly exactly Super cute. That's it, Em. That, that was a good one. I liked that one. Seating plans and family politics done. Tick that box. Sorted. Don't know what I'm worried about. <laughs> um, if you've enjoyed this podcast and if you'd like to keep up to date with all things the I Do Crew podcast, please follow our Instagram account. It's at the I Do Crew podcast. Send us your dilemmas or questions and we will try to help you answer them. Not always the right answers, but we will try. Uh, next week, we're talking wedding traditions and superstitions. But for now, it's bye from me. And bye for me. You've been listening to the I Do Crew podcast with Jen and Emma. Keep up to date with our podcast news by following our I Do Crew podcast Instagram account. Thanks for listening.